Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Even though it's a made-up story, it nonetheless is always, the parables were always grounded in real-life issues, which were easy for people to identify with. And so Jesus uses this mechanism of parable to flesh out the statement that he just made about one's life not consisting in the abundance of his possession. Now, to talk about the parable itself. We find Jesus advancing his teaching against all types of greed by introducing a character that is the definition of greed. And he simply identifies the man as a rich man. Now, I want to begin uh, looking at this parable with this fact. I want you to, to understand that the problem with the man in the parable was not that he was rich. That wasn't the problem. Despite what we see and hear from those who promote wealth redistribution, it is not immoral to be rich. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, we find God admonishing the Israelites saying, you shall remember the Lord your God. Notice why? For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God is the one who gives people the power to become wealthy. And over the millennia, we can see God empowering many people to be very wealthy. For example, let's just go back to the Old Testament. Remember the the man named Job? Job was excessively wealthy. And then during a test... Uh, he lost everything, and after passing the test, we find that not only did he get that original wealth back, but it was actually doubled in size. Job was a very wealthy man. Abraham was a wealthy man. Uh, Abraham's son Isaac was a wealthy man. Uh, Isaac's son Jacob was a wealthy man. Another fella uh, that we find in the book of Ruth, whose name is Boaz. He was a very wealthy man. And then we come to King Solomon, who was perhaps the most wealthy man who has ever lived on the face of the earth. Now those are some old examples. Let's come into the modern day context. Does God still give people the power to get wealth, especially those who follow him? He surely does. Have you ever heard of Truett Cathy, who is the founder and owner of Chick-fil-A? He's very wealthy. And have you heard of Sam Walton? Now, he's deceased at this point, but he is the founder and originator and was the owner of Walmart. He was very wealthy. And then there's the man J.C. Penney. And I'll bet that most of you younger people just think that's the name of a department store, and it is. But it's actually the name of a man who founded that department store. And J.C. Penney was a Christian. And he was excessively wealthy. In fact, it is told of J.C. Penney that uh, he reverse tithed. That's right. He gave 90% of his income away to the work of the Lord. And he lived off of only 10%. Still, he was a wealthy man. And then there's David Green, who is the CEO and owner of Hobby Lobby. Uh, Being wealthy 
is not sinful. Being wealthy is not immoral. And the problem with this man in the parable was not that his fields were producing an abundance of crops. That is to say that he was successful. That's not the issue that Jesus is driving at. Here is the problem. We finally get to it. This is the problem. The problem was that as this man increased in wealth, more wealth than he could ever use, more wealth than his family could ever use, the man found himself musing over what to do with all of that abundance. His fields were producing so much, and it was increasing his wealth, and he just sat back and he thought, what am I going to do with all of this? And instead of giving God the credit for his wealth, and then asking God, God, how might you want me to use this wealth that you're giving me? Instead of looking at his community, looking at the people in it who could barely make ends meet, or even worse, those who had no means to even try to meet in the middle, instead of contemplating how he might help ease the human suffering that surrounded him. Instead of all those things, this man sat back and he thought to himself, I will tear down my perfectly good barns and I will then build bigger barns and I will then stuff all of my abundance and all of my goods into those bigger barns and then I will say to my soul, soul, You have more than enough stored up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, and be merry. The man didn't say it. He didn't have to. But the condition of his heart is oozing out for everyone to see. The condition of this man's heart could be communicated in these points. I owe nothing to God. I owe nothing to my fellow man. I owe everything to myself. And I will keep and consume it all. This man was making the deadly mistake of believing that he was self-made. He was also making the mistake to believe that life did consist of the abundance of things. And therefore, things became his God. And because things were his God, he worshipped his God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. And he loved himself because in his estimation, he was the only one worth loving. Well, at this point, Jesus interjects this most chilling response that comes from the Father in heaven. As the man contemplated how he would accomplish all of this stuff that he wanted to do for his own glory and his own satisfaction, we find the voice of God coming from heaven to his ears. And God said, Fool! Fool! This night your soul will be required of you, And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? The word fool in the original language is aphron, which means mindless, lacking sense, ignorant, 
destitute of knowledge and truth. That's what a fool is. Psalm chapter 14 verse 1 as well as chapter 53 verse 1 tells us that the fool says in his or her heart there is no God. I.e. that there is no divine authority to which I am accountable. Therefore, I am God. Now both you and I would be quick to say that we would never say anything like that. We wouldn't even think anything like that. We would never deny God's authority or our accountability to him. And yet, we may be doing just that and not even knowing it. This brings us to truth point number one today. And truth point number one says that we live like the fool in today's parable when we fail to acknowledge God's sovereignty over our life by failing to inquire of his will in our day-to-day affairs. Now, in talking about God's sovereignty and our responsibility to inquire about his will in our day-to-day affairs, I'm not saying that if we have a blue shirt and a red shirt, that we need to get on our knees and pray and ask God what his will is. Am I to wear the blue shirt or the red shirt today? That's, I don't think God even wants us to do that. But what I know is this. I know that I am guilty of making thousands of decisions, decisions about important matters of life, and I do so without asking the God who owns me and owns everything that I call mine. I make thousands of decisions without consulting what his will is on the matter. And when I do that, or when you do that, Are we not playing the part of the fool? I want you to consider this. Time. Time. Is it yours or is it God's? Money. Is it yours or is it God's? Relationships. Are they mine or are they God's? You know, the fool in Jesus' parable was living and thinking as though there is no God. And, and, and I dare say, listen to me carefully now, I dare say that the man or woman who belongs to Christ, yet lives the greater part of life acknowledging him in a few things, but doing what they please in most things, is a fool. James chapter 4. Verses 13 through 17 says this. Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town, and we'll stay there a year, and we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, and then it is gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, We will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. The Holy Spirit, as he so often does, after all this inspiring James to write those things, the Holy Spirit then drives the nail in the coffin with this summary statement. 
He says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We see in James 4, 13 through 17, what we ought to be doing or how we ought to be thinking and responding in life. It is sin for us to know that and then not live in accordance with it. Well, we come to verse 21. And we find that Jesus doesn't leave things hanging. Instead, he brings an application that, um, that we would all do well to acknowledge and to put into practice. Notice these words. After giving his parable, he concludes by saying, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself or herself and is not rich toward God. Truth point number two, people who focus on physical prosperity and ignore their spiritual poverty are the fool of this parable. Did you catch that? The person who focuses on physical prosperity while ignoring their spiritual poverty is the fool of this parable. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.